The first reading is from Acts, the first chapter, beginning at verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akaldema, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all this time that the, Jesus, that the Lord Jesus went out in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from 1 Peter, starting in chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the, throughout the world. 
And if you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You and I, we have been given a lot of good advice in our lives, right? A lot of good advice from our parents, from coworkers and friends, so that if you have a contract in front of you, that you should, before you sign on the dotted line, you should read the fine print, right? We've been taught this, to always pay attention, to not take for granted. I mean, many a person has been surprised in a contract when he or she learned that something was written in that fine print. And you know, so many times, People in this day, some very even popular preachers today, assure people that followers of Jesus will be blessed with all the good wealth and health and security if they only just believe enough. Well, imagine the blow to their listeners' faith and confidence 
when they experience suffering and trials. They might think that they didn't believe enough or lose faith entirely. In fact, as we look closer at Scripture, we realize that Jesus never promised that. In fact, we see that Jesus said something much different. The reality is, is that Christians will suffer for the name of Jesus. Let that sink in for a little bit. Jesus said that we will suffer for his name. But in the midst of our suffering and trials, the reality of the Easter victory prepares you for that reality. That reality of heartache and difficulty because we know God has won the victory already. Isn't that right? Yeah? Okay, good. Just want to make sure you're tracking with me here. So the reality of Christmas and Easter, Good Friday, Easter, Ascension, Pentecost, all help us deal with reality. You know, from the very beginning when Jesus called the very first apostles, he spoke in very frank terms of what would happen to them if they had followed him. That they would be reviled, persecuted, that evil things would be said about them, all because they followed him. Jesus even told them to rejoice and to be glad when those horrible things would happen because their reward would be great in heaven. At other times, he told his followers that they would be handed over to authorities to be beaten and punished, that they would be hated by the world. Jesus even spoke about another kind of severe suffering for those who would follow him. Shortly after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus spoke to Peter. He said these words, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like the wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You see, Jesus never hid the reality of suffering for his namesake from his disciples. In fact, he was quite the opposite. He showed them in great detail what was to happen. But he also prepared his followers for those times of feeling of suffering and pain. He gave them encouragement and hope. When Jesus was in that upper room with his disciples when he was betrayed, he told them, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. Now listen closely to what follows. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, that is persecutions, you may remember that I told them to you. And then right after Jesus told the disciple those things, he told them the time would come when they would scatter out of fear, leaving him all alone. Yet, he said, I am not alone for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. 
And additionally, Jesus assured his disciples that he would continue to pray for them. Now, I don't know about you, but I appreciate a straight word of Scripture. It's so great when, when Jesus tells it to us directly. There's no subterfuge. There is no mistaking his intent. And this straight talk about suffering, along with Jesus' word of encouragement, would become something so very important to those apostles as they would continue teaching of Jesus in those days ahead. At that time, they had no clue, really, of what they were going to suffer, what they were going to need to endure, even though they had heard the words. But the Holy Spirit would bring those very words of Jesus to their remembrance after Jesus was raised from the dead and in those days following. And so the apostles knew the reality of suffering for the name of Jesus. And you and I, we know that better now too. We realize that having the name of Jesus calls us out into a place of ridicule, calls us out into a place where there's a lot of wind, a lot of hot air, there is a lot of Stones being hurled our directions, a lot of slander, a lot of twisting of words, you know, just like, oh, you know those Christians, they exclude anyone who doesn't believe as they do. You know, they call themselves people who are loving, but how can they be loving when they tell us that we're wrong? Well... When you tell a child that they're wrong, does that not help them do what is right? Does that not help correct them in their understanding? It's only when they are so secure in their misunderstandings that they see it as not an act of love. So you and I, we understand the difficulty of this day the importance for us to be followers of Jesus, come what may. No matter what the problems, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the sadness and heartache. You know, we sing with great gusto the words of a mighty fortress. And what does it say there? If they were to take our house, goods honor, House and spouse, right? Yeah, I mean, if they were to take all those things away. Yeah, I mean, can we, I mean, we sing those words, but do we believe that? See, so many times we sing through those words, we get to the victory of Jesus and call it a day. But yet we realize that in our own Christian walk, that there are times of farewell and goodbye to loved ones, that there are times of sickness and pain and suffering, and sometimes we don't realize why that suffering is happening, but yet we know that Jesus says, only for a time, 
and then you'll be with me. You see, the words of comfort. When we have fallen away and are hurting because of our own mistakes, Jesus says, come sinner. Come to me. Receive my forgiveness. Know me as the Son of God who loves you. You see, the words of Jesus have meaning for us. Because of their frankness, because of their direct correlation to what we go through. You know, most of you, I'd imagine this morning, did not wake up with a smile on your face ready to come to church. Most of us got up, kind of waddled around to the coffee pot and made our way and got through and threw on some clothes and hoped that the red light didn't stay too long red. And we got here. You see, we had to come over our own struggles to get here. But yet now that we're here, we hear that our struggles are not unusual. One of the things that may be demanded of us at some point is our own life. It may be that in extending a hand of love to someone, they bat it away. Or even worse, hurt us. I mean, you look at some of those that were raised up in the early church. Stephen, martyred, right? as he witnessed to Jesus. So why do we think that somehow we are better than those who came before us? You see, the problem in our world is that we're slow to remember. We're slow to remember that Jesus already told us what the road was gonna look like, but he also told us we weren't alone on it, and that helps us. You know, in Rome, there is a Colosseum. There's a Colosseum you can go and visit and walk into and see, you know, for yourselves, the rocks and the huge pillars and all the things that, even through all the days and ages, are still there. And you can imagine the people gathered there the people of the world who came together to witness the slaughter of Christians, rejoicing in that as entertainment. Is that so different from today? I mean, after all, there's a lot of laughing going on about Christians. So may you and I hold fast in the presence of that kind of of reaction. May we understand that people of old went through that. They stood up for their faith and they died in their faith. But that wasn't the end of the story. It was just getting started. Because they knew that because of the persecution, because of what was thrown in their path, God still had the last word. And he had promised in Jesus' blood, 
our salvation, our forgiveness, our help, and our future. That through the cross and the empty tomb, so we knew that our lives would be in the way of the cross in this world. That we would have our own crown of thorns. That people might strip us and cast lots for our clothing. That they might even take our life. But they could not take Jesus from us. And that is something for you and I on this last Sunday of Easter for us to hold fast that no one can take Jesus out of your life. He is there for you. He has promised to be there for you always and that he resides there and his word resides there as you read it and as it becomes a part of your life so also the gifts of God come with it. So may you and I, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter if it be peanut shells, no matter if it be stones, no matter if it be lies or slander, let us stand stand tall. Let us still put one foot in front of the other following our Lord Jesus because we follow him through the cross to an empty tomb where our resurrection is guaranteed and where our eternity has been won. May we look in the big picture and the long-range plan of God and see our hope and our help. And while we're there, And in this world, may we fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.